At Baptist Health South Florida, it's our mission to care for you when you're injured or sick and help you stay healthy and fit. Welcome to the Baptist Health Talk podcast, where our respected experts bring you timely, practical health and wellness information to improve your family's quality of life. Welcome podcast listeners to Baptist Health Talk. I'm Dr. Jonathan Fialco. I'm Chief Population Health Officer at Baptist Health South Florida and Chief of Cardiology, Miami Cardiac and Vascular Institute. There are more than 200 joints in the human body, but chances are we take them for granted until we experience swelling, stiffness, or pain. Joint pain is a very common condition, especially as we age. So is it inevitable? And what can we do to keep our joints as healthy as possible for as long as possible? Today, I've invited Dr. Charles Laurie, an orthopedic surgeon specializing in hip and knee replacements with Baptist Health's Miami Orthopedic and Sports Medicine Institute to answer some questions about joint issues. Thanks for joining us, Charles. Thank you, John. I'm excited to be here and talk about joint health today with you. Great. So let's get started with some definitions. I always think sometimes we assume people know <laughs> what we know, and that's not always a, a good way to start. So, so explain what is a joint and maybe how it's different from a tendon or a muscle or other parts of our, of our orthopedic <laughs> system, our structural system that can go awry. What, what, what actually are joints? Sure. So joints are the parts of our body um, that exist between bones um, that allow us to move in space. Um, so they accommodate the motion that is then driven by muscles and tendons. Um, so really, really the joints are the foundation for that motion. And there's layers and layers of tissue on top of the joints, like I mentioned, like muscles and tendons that actually provide the movement for those joints. But the German link is at points where bones connect or uh, where we have uh, hinges or movements in our body. That's where we'd find our joints, right? Correct. Yeah, you know, we typically think of joints like you mentioned hinges. Uh, you know, the knee joint is like a hinge. Our finger joints are kind of like hinges. Uh, the hip joint is more of a ball and socket type joint. Mm -hmm. So the, the different movements that are required by different parts of the body have different types of joints. But the general theme is that the joints allow us to move. So what are the joints that uh, more commonly... Um, I'll say either, uh, what are the joints that people complain about more commonly than others? And the second part of that, maybe for this point, is, is there an age-related change? In other words, do younger people complain about different joints than older people? Sure. So I think the most common um, area that people complain about or have problems with during their life is the low back, right? Um, you know, just about anyone you know, any age, uh, beyond teenagers, has had an episode of back pain that usually has laid them up from work or from school. Um, and the back is actually more complex and it's comprised of many, many joints, um, different uh, bones at different levels of the back that connect together uh, through the discs. Um, so the back, I would say, is number one. Uh, beyond the back, the knee is actually the second most common uh, joint of the body that typically gets affected. So we're all very active. We're on our feet all day. We like to run. We like to jump. Uh, play sports and the knees tend to get uh, a lot of the force go through them and get beat up quite a bit over the course of our life. Um, you know, other things we commonly see would be um, the shoulder joints, the hip joints, and then less commonly you get into the smaller joints like ankles, wrists, hands, toes, etc. So, so is it that the larger joints produce more pain or they're more uh, incapacitating or does it, 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 let's say if my finger has a joint problem, I won't do anything about it, or are they just more common because of whatever reasons you can describe overuse or et cetera? Is it the large joints tend to actually cause more problems or is it just, they rise to a level that people do things about it? Well, we always, you know, being a lower extremity surgeon, 
in a hip and knee surgeon, we always like to poke fun at our upper extremity colleagues <laughs> saying, we're more important because you can't walk on your shoulders, right? Um, I, I mean, I guess you know, you've seen the YouTube videos of guys doing handstands and walking around on their hands, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, th I, 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 I think not, you kind of nailed not, it. Not a solution, Charles, not a solution. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you kind of nailed it when you said, you know, the joints that we typically see more commonly in the office, um, people complaining of or wanting treatment for, are the ones that we have to use during our daily activities, sure. right? We have to use our knees. We have to use our hips. The back is probably the worst one, right? Because whether you're sitting, standing, lying down, you know, crawling, the back is going to, you're going to feel it if there's a problem back there. So, um, you know, like you said, I think the most common things we see in the office may not be the most common places people have pain, uh, but they certainly are the most used um, or most necessary parts of our body. So as related to the, the large joints, like you talked about, the uh, lower back or the back, hips, um, uh, knees, um, and, and we'll talk about medical conditions to follow, but what are the more common injuries that you see to those joints? Are there any patterns that, that we see? Sure. So I think the, the pain patterns and the pathology or the problems that we see in any given joint um, change through the spectrum of age. Um, right. So as we're, um, you know, as we're developing, as we're younger, uh, you know, kids, we typically develop growing type pains. Um, you know, when we get into teenage years or early adolescence, early adulthood, uh, we start to see more injuries, uh, you know, traumatic type injuries, sports injuries, um, you know, things like meniscus tears in the knee, ligament tears in the knee, uh, labral tears in the hip. Um, and then, you know, as we get even a little bit older, we start to see more of the degenerative type conditions take over. So things like uh, degenerative disc disease in the back where the, the spongy material that's in between the vertebral bodies in the back gets, um, you know, a little bit degenerated and affected um, or things, you know, like shoulder, um, you know, rotator cuff tears, labral tears. And then finally, as we finally get, you know, even older into age, um, you know, more into uh, senior citizen territory, uh, we start to see uh, typically more arthritis. So uh, degenerative conditions affecting the entire joint. Uh, but most pronounced and most commonly thought of is affecting the cartilage surfaces of the joint, which are you know, the smooth gliding surfaces that the bones um, are using to uh, protect themselves as they rub against each other. Um, when cartilage is healthy, um, it's actually more frictionless than rubbing ice on ice. And as it gets degenerated, I, I tell my patients, it's like, um, you know, a, a cart drawn, a, a horse drawn carriage uh, being uh, driven down a cobblestone road. Um, very rocky, very bumpy surfaces rubbing against each other. Hmm. And I think uh, we've all seen people who have those types of experiences. And as I'm getting older, I can share, I'm starting to feel certain <laughs> complaints like that as well. So, so how about, how can we keep our joints healthy? I, I guess you did stratify the different conditions um, between an injury and maybe a degenerative condition. So um, let's start with injuries. So is there any kind of common type of um, recommendations you would have as an orthopedic specialist as to how to decrease the chances of injuries? I mean, granted, there's some we can't, but is there any, any kind of recommendations, especially for the people who are more active, to avoid um, um, those types of injuries that can uh, cause joint problems? Sure. So a lot of the injuries, you know, not talking about the, you know, the high school athletes or even the college athletes, because I think that's a totally different realm. And I don't typically see or treat those patients, but, uh, you know, people in their, you know, 20s, 30s, 40s who typically show up with injuries or, you know, what we dub the weekend warriors um, mm -hmm. who, you know, really aren't very active during the week. And then they go out on the weekends um, and all of a sudden expect to go from zero to 100. Um, and their muscles just really aren't ready to accommodate the types of activities they're trying to get into. So, 
uh, you know, strategy for injury prevention for the majority of us, you know, in our 30s, 40s, 50s, um, that still like to get out there and play sports or be active, um, is to really, you know, focus on um, a variety of activity, variety of exercise, total body strengthening, um, and making sure there aren't any particular deficiencies in any one area, and really making sure that you appropriately ramp up your activity level before you try to jump into something. So if you're going on a big ski trip, you know, maybe starting to think about conditioning a couple months prior instead of showing up on the slopes and expecting to feel good and be injury free for your trip. I think that's that's great recommendations. And, and maybe I'll, I'll just add that um, for people who have a regular cadence of physical activity, as we get older, we decondition a little faster, right? So, you know, if you go out and you're fairly active and you don't do it for a while, but you think you may get right back to it. But like you said, ramp up slowly because you might not have the muscle strength and then you wind up injuring uh, your joints, right? Um, let's talk a little bit about the, the generative conditions now, more of the, uh, uh, again, as you said, probably more with age, but not necessarily. What kind of uh, lifestyle or what kind of situations might increase the risk of that? And I guess the follow-up to that would be, what can one do to decrease the chances of significant degenerative joint disease, uh, if anything? Sure. So I think, unfortunately, a lot of the degenerative joint disease uh, causes are kind of unknown um, or multifactorial. So um, there's you know, a variety of different factors that go into the actual finished product, which is arthritis. Um, you know, things that are controllable would be um, injuries, um, activity levels. So when we're younger, you know, avoiding really extreme activity, um, you know, extreme heavy weights in the gym, um, avoiding injury when we're playing sports uh, can all help uh, increase the longevity of our joints as we get older. Um, you know, doing varied levels of activity, you know, I think we all tend to find one thing we enjoy and then we only do that one thing. So some people, you know, run, 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 and then they show up with some joint pain because they, you know, haven't varied their activities and have muscular deficiencies. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, like I said, a lot of this is just bad luck, to be honest, um, and things that are out of our control, like the genetic makeup of our cartilage surfaces, uh, the joint surface. Uh, the way that our bones and joints developed, so the different angles that our bones um, developed as they were forming against each other uh, can affect the risk for arthritis. Um, uh, you know, the, the one one major factor that we do have control over, I would say, uh, is weight, right? Mm -hmm. And we all know that in the U.S., um, we've got a bit of a weight problem, uh, obesity epidemic on our hands. Um, the knee, for example, every pound of body weight uh, that people have uh, carrying around uh, in simple daily activities like walking or going up and down stairs up to four or five times your body weight actually will go through the knee. So I tell patients that the best bang for their buck with their, their knee pain, for example, is losing one pound, right? Because that's actually your knee losing four pounds. You get exponential results wow. uh, of your weight loss there. Um, and have you seen people who, for example, are overweight, have significant hip knee pain, and by losing weight, the pain... I'll say improves, but even resolves. I mean, do you see people who can control their pain by losing weight or by the point they, by the point they may need surgery or something, it's not going to be improved at that point? Yeah, we absolutely see that. You know, the most extreme example, uh, patients uh, who, you know, have gained quite a bit of weight and we refer them for bariatric surgery. Um, you know, we tell them, you know, lose the weight and then come back for surgery when your weight is down and it's in the appropriate range for surgery. A lot of those patients come back after they've lost the weight and say, well, doc, now I don't think I even need the surgery because my joints are feeling so good after losing all that weight. You know, I'll come back in five or 10 years if things get worse, which, 
you know, is, is, is the happiest thing we could hear is a doctor is who made someone happier, uh, you know, without having to intervene on them. So, um, you know, certainly the weight coming off makes a big difference. So let me ask you a couple of quick questions, because I think uh, these are things that uh, uh, come up in, in the community. And, and I even sometimes get asked as, as a cardiologist, which shows you how much people want to know things um, that they may not have information about. So um, how about um, any interaction with smoking and uh, a joint injury, a joint uh, degeneration? So as far as I'm aware of, there's no link between, uh, you know, increased smoking levels, uh, you know, cigarettes, tobacco and uh, joint injuries. Um, as far as I'm aware of. Okay, good. Doesn't mean smoke. It's okay to smoke, but from a correlation. How about alcohol? Um, any, any direction with alcohol? Yeah, heavy alcohol use actually is a known risk factor and probably one of the most common reasons we see a condition called avascular necrosis, which is a specific type of degenerative joint disease that most commonly develops in the hip, uh, but can appear in the shoulders. It can appear in the knee. It can really appear anywhere in the body. Um, and excessive alcohol be abuse, even if just for short periods of time in one's life, can actually predispose them to developing this. So, you know, everything in moderation, um, you know, enjoy a glass of wine, beer, cocktail here or there. Uh, but certainly if you're you know, doing any heavy drinking, you need to recognize the overall health consequences. That includes uh, the joints. And does avascular necrosis generally require surgery? Uh, at its most, at most extreme uh, form, it absolutely does. And oftentimes, once it starts, uh, it's very hard to stop in its tracks. Um, so certainly something that uh, you can uh, you want to avoid if you can. So you mentioned, obviously, weight, uh, being overweight puts pressure, stress on your joints. Any particular food, substances, or anything dietary that's been correlated with any kind of joint health or joint disease? You know, unfortunately, I think the, the studies on nutrition and diet, um, you probably know better than I do as a cardiologist, uh, you know, extremely difficult to get any sort of meaningful <laughs> Uh, ob objective data on uh, that information, uh, you know, but certainly weight and, uh, you know, what you eat go hand in hand. So, you know, healthy, uh, well-balanced diet, fruits and vegetables, um, you know, lean proteins, all the stuff that you would tell your patients, I would say, I would echo for my, um, you know, arthritis and joint yeah. patients as well. Yeah. You're pushing my buttons because I like to say nutritional science is an oxymoron. There's so many variables we draw conclusions <laughs> that don't always work. Um, well, it's frustrating because that's one of the most common questions we get in the office. Is, I, I you know, know, I know. What, what you're not eating, and it's like you're looking you know, for you a simple to, solution. You want to tell them, you, yeah, tell yeah. Them you have some objective data, and there's nothing. There's nothing. What about uh, supplements? I mean, big industry out there, uh, TV late at night and whatnot, to pushing these these medicines for joint health or whatnot. Any any real data supporting them? Uh, uh, in the medical literature? So I don't want to burst the placebo effect of any listeners out there <laughs> taking things like uh, glucosamine and chondroitin, but there's there's really no solid data to support using any of those joint health supplements that are available. Um, and you know, as well as I do, the supplement industry isn't quite as regulated as something like the you know prescription drug industry. So right. you may not even be taking what is written on the bottle or what you think you're taking, depending on you know the brand and where you get it. So um, I always tell my patients, you know, say, save your money and spend it somewhere else because I don't think that's going to make a big difference. I, yeah. It certainly is not going to do what, you know, a lot of the companies advertise, which is, you know, promote joint health or slow down the progression of a degenerative condition. As I say, you'll have expensive urine if you buy a lot of those supplements. <laughs> that's absolutely right. Out, right? Um, so, uh, you know, great information, Charles. And again, I, I, uh, I, I think it's, it'll be very well received. When... Uh, again, I ask you loaded questions. You're doing a great job answering them. 
when should someone see a doctor? Is there any particular joint-related finding, symptom, or sign that's like, hey, man, get it checked out right away? Or is it generally when it becomes a, a pain tolerance issue? Any indications as to when or what kind of things it's like, yeah, don't wait, get checked out versus, you know, when, when you're ready, come, come see us? You know, one of, the, one of the great things about working in the Baptist system is there is, I mean, we are like an army of musculoskeletal providers. Um, there are so many providers that are hyper-specialized, hyper-focused that I just tell patients, if something doesn't feel right to you, you know your body better than anyone else, that's the time to go and get it checked out. You know, whether it's going to an urgent care after an injury to get a quick x-ray, make sure nothing's broken, um, or, you know, a long-standing pain you've had that all of a sudden got worse, um, you know, the hip or knee and you want to come see us. Uh, to get an x-ray and see if it's arthritis, anything we can do to make you feel better. If something doesn't feel right or you feel like it's slowing you down in your daily activities that you enjoy, that's the time you should go and get it looked at. Um, you know, emergencies, things that are emergent or urgent um, are more related to the spine, uh, you know, neurologic type conditions, um, you know, sudden weakness, you know, sudden numbness, um, and, you know, loss of function. Those types of things are emergencies. But for the most part, the musculoskeletal pain we're talking about you know, can wait a day or two in most cases, but there's nothing wrong with getting it checked out. We're here and ready to see you and happy to take care of you. And, and to clarify, um, are you saying if it's an acute injury that's associated with weak, uh, weakness, tendons or whatever, it should, if, uh, if someone wakes up in the middle of the night and their arm's tingly or something, is that the kind of thing you're talking about uh, um, similarly? And in other words, the, the weakness, the lack of sensation, those are important things to differentiate. Is it across the board or are there certain... Is it only with a scenario of if it's like a, a with an injury or something acute? Oh, I mean, those things can happen. Yeah. Those yeah. things can sometimes happen out of the blue. So, you know, if there's something funny going on in your body and it doesn't get better quickly or it gets worse suddenly, then I think those are good reasons to go to your local urgent care or emergency room to get it checked out, make sure there's nothing serious going on. Yeah, that's a good point as well. If it doesn't resolve within you know, a couple of seconds or whatever, and even that makes sense. Um, all right, last question. Um, Stiffness, uh, again, trying to differentiate to the, to the listeners about, you know, what's kind of, we'll say, normal or expected and, and what's more problematic. Um, if someone wakes up in the morning and the joints are stiff, but then by a little bit of movement, they loosen up and they're okay, is that a, is that a sign of a pending problem or uh, a concern or is that uh, relatively expected with, with aging or other situations? You know, I think stiffness could be uh, related either to muscle soreness, it could be related to activity, or it could be related to degenerative conditions like arthritis. Um, you know, those types of conditions that are more of a slow burn where people feel, you know, soreness, stiffness when they wake up, it improves through the course of the day. Um, a lot of people would just kind of live with those and shrug them off. And I think that's an okay approach to take. Um, at some point, a lot of those patients will have an acute worsening, so a sudden worsening of their symptoms, it really starts to affect them, whether it's an increase in pain, increase in stiffness, or something just doesn't feel right to them. Um, and that's when they typically come in to get checked out. So, um, you know, again, people know their own bodies better than we do. So I would just advise people again, you know, if something doesn't feel right or it's slowing them down, that's the time they should come and get it looked at. Great, great stuff. And along with the stiffness, of course, uh, um, swelling, redness, Warmth, that's a different situation as well. And, and you would want to get something like that checked out. But that's you, you don't, do you usually see swelling and, and redness, for example, and warm joints for, uh, uh, again, degenerative conditions? Um, uh, I'm just throwing out a couple of things that people could see. Any, any, anything you can 
lead uh, in explanation of, of those concerns? You know, every once in a while, as uh, joints degenerate, they can get swollen, they can get hot. Um, and generally, patients will recognize those things happening to them slowly. Um, certainly, any sort of rapid swelling or, you know, really sort of beefy red appearance uh, to joints um, that happens fairly quickly or doesn't resolve um, on its own just with kind of at-home treatments, uh, be reasonable to go get that checked out, um, you know, sooner rather than later. Great, great information, Charles. Again, obviously your expertise comes through uh, in your responses to my, you know, uh, my, my questions, <laughs> somewhat, somewhat, uh, you know, uh, disparate types of points we want to make. Um, any final comments? You did mention, feel, you know, notice your body, pay attention to your body. If you feel something wrong, get it checked out is probably the best uh, overview of recommendations. But any, anything particularly want to uh, reiterate or anything you want to bring up that we didn't, uh, we didn't talk about? Yeah, I would just say, you know, we're, like I said, we have a very large team uh, here at Baptist, uh, multidisciplinary surgeons, non-surgeons, uh, people who focus on all types of the body. So uh, certainly if something is really affecting your lifestyle or slowing you down, um, you know, there's someone available uh, who can take a look at it and hopefully do something to get you feeling better. Great stuff. Dr. Charles Laurie, hip and knee specialist, orthopedic surgeon at the Miami Orthopedic and Sports Medicine Institute. Thanks again. And to our listeners, please feel free to send us any thoughts or ideas for future podcast topics to Baptist Health Talk at BaptistHealth.net. That's Baptist Health Talk at BaptistHealth.net. Stay safe, everyone. Find additional valuable health and wellness information on our resource blog at BaptistHealth.net slash news. And be sure to interact with us on our social media channels for live and upcoming events. This podcast is brought to you by Baptist Health South Florida, healthcare that cares.